it's fine to experiment. I'll give you permission right now. Don't let someone else's opinion keep you from doing your first piece of astrological magic. Just don't do that. Speak the charm of make charm of make charm. There will come a time on the planet Earth when science and technology will be long forgotten. When wizards will rule the world. This is the Arnamancy Podcast featuring Reverend Eric. Join me on an exploration of the practice, philosophy, and history of the occult, esotericism, and the paranormal. In this episode, I am joined by astrological magician Joshua Proto, uh, and that will be starting in just a few minutes. But first, some housekeeping. I started a Deccan Walk, and I am inviting all of you to join me for the Deccan Walk, or at least follow along on Patreon. I will be sharing my progress with this Deccan Walk on Patreon. And in fact, I'm currently running a special offer. If you sign up at the neophyte level or above, before the 30th of this month, which is March 2021, you will get in the mail a handwritten letter by me and some cool Arnamancy stickers. So head on over to patreon.com slash Arnamancy and support the podcast and get some cool swag. And now back to the show. On with the show. You know what I mean. Welcome back to the podcast. Today I have with me my friend Joshua Proto. Since 2014, Joshua Proto has created over 100 astrological talismans. According to traditional sources like the Picatrix, Agrippa's Three Books of Occult Philosophy, and the Oral Teachings of Select Tibetan and Noir Buddhist Tantras, Josh frequently helps clients find talismanic and ritual solutions to a variety of astrological and magical problems through his website, StellarTalismans.com, and offers training and workshops around practicing astrological magic. And he they uses the pronouns he and they. Yes, exactly. That was smooth. <laughs> uh, welcome to the podcast, Josh. Thank you so much for having me, Eric. This is, uh, you know, I'm super honored, super honored to be here. Thank you. I guess to me, it seems more like I should be honored to have you as a guest. You know, I've been following your work for a while online um, through like Instagram and stuff. And then recently you started doing this uh, sort of group study class thing where mm -hmm. you got together a bunch of magicians. Maybe some of them were budding astrological magicians and some of them were a little bit more practiced and started leading them through this grimoire conjuring, about conjuring the planetary intelligences. And it's just been such a delight watching how like not only good you are with sort of like having a handle on all of this astrological magic stuff but, but how good you are at talking to people about it it's just kind of awesome so it was sort of inevitable you were going to end up here someday <laughs> oh, fantastic fantastic to hear you know what is it as, as a buddhist you know the interdependent circumstances seems like they were always pushing so uh, i'm very grateful for that and it's been such a fun time to lead the to lead the group and to lead the workshop and just uh give people an opportunity to to play around with some guardrails in order to to experiment and expand their own magical practice because i think you know I think, I think that's something I wish I had when I was, you know, first learning astrological magic and first interested in certain grimoires. I would have loved that hands-on sort of guided guided practice a little bit with a group of practitioners. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, no, I'm just, I just love doing it. Well, speaking of that, like how exactly did you get started with astrological magic? Like what are your roots there? Totally. So it was back when I was in, in high school. I went to, uh, went to a Catholic high school led by lay people and uh, you know they taught me Latin I was like I want to learn Latin and so uh, what else was I gonna read but uh, old school grimoires written in a dead language uh, when I could read everything else that was in Latin and um, you know sort of reading through Kia Solomon, Goetia, Grimorium Rerum just sort of wrapping my head around uh, that. And it was also a time I was very interested in Chinese internal martial arts, learning a lot about Bagua and Jing Yi Quan, and just learning, learning like that internal alchemy, like the Ni Gung. And I was just like hooked about like this visceral bodily experience that was very much magical. Like I saw very similar corollaries between how they would describe those experiences and what I was reading in these grimoire texts. And so I just had this thirst of finding like, 
What are texts that I can read that give me the same visceral reality experience that I'm like, you know, experiencing with martial arts, getting punched in the face, um, you know, doing weird stuff with chi. And in that led me to, um, what is it? One of my current teachers and sort of role models websites, Chris Warnock's renaissanceastrology.com. And, uh, just sort of read through that and was like, okay, this person is a practitioner. They're the real deal. So I want to learn from other people who are, who are the real deal. Cause I think uh, one thing I learned in the martial arts world is that there's a lot of just like people trying to like sell you something that isn't going to work or, you know, at worst, you know, get you hurt in a situation when you're trying to defend yourself. And so, uh, you know, I, I asked for De Majinibus for Christmas and I remember my parents being like, Wow, we knew you were smart, Josh, but uh, this is at a whole other level than I was ever thinking of when I was like 15 or whatever. Uh, so I'm, I'm grateful for their support. So that's that's how it all began. You know, uh, it's funny. I have a similar. So like, I put uh, I put all these occult books that I want on my like Amazon wish list. So when Christmas rolls around, my mom's like, "What do you want for Christmas?" I'm like, "Here's a here's a list of books," and she always complains. She's like, "I hate buying you books for Christmas because." Every time I do, it just messes up all my recommendations. <laughs> like, <laughs> so you kind of got, uh, you kind of cut your teeth with Chris Warnock. Oh yeah, completely. That's so that was a great start. Yeah, it totally was. Cause I, I remember I was like on some just weird online magic forms, like as a, as a child using the internet unsupervised and, um, you know, People were talking about astrology, and I remember like looking into it and reading those resources, and I immediately learned and could see this is incredibly complex and way more complex than anything I'm doing around like sort of like meditation and um, sort of internal internal alchemy and moving of the winds and, and the chi and that sort of stuff. To me, this seemed like way more complex than that. But I could tell that like Chris's stuff was was top tier as far as like the way that he conducts himself is in a way that, you know, seems just like very, very, and is just at a high caliber of like respect and responsibility. So I felt like I could trust the information. And so I started like trying to work through like the Picatrix and like his secrets of planetary magic. But, you know, when I was younger, I didn't really have the resources to fully uh, take advantage of what was going on. It's like, you know, where am I going to get like silver and copper? Like I was able to convince my parents to like give me the books, but I wasn't yet able to sort of convince them to, uh, you know, you know, build me out a jewelry shop so I can start, <laughs> so I can start making stuff. Did you get started on the Picatrix pretty early also? Uh, or did you come across that a little bit later? So Picatrix at the same time. So soon after I, I was able to get my hands on Dama Ginibus, I was also learned about Agrippa, and so I was reading the three mm. books of occult philosophy then as well, and then uh, reading through the Picatrix, Picatrix. I probably really didn't sit down and start understanding it and seeing how I could like apply this practically until like, you know, probably around 20, 2016, 2014, I think I really revisited that so it was it was later in my in my astrological magic career i sort of took a hiatus a bit and uh, what is it i got like two three degrees of black belt and like a japanese martial art and traveled to japan and pilgrimage to mount fuji fuji and like played around with that for a while um and it's from that that I, you know i was like well if i can survive this i can probably survive the picatrix uh, You're sort of but like, it, now it's time to punch the stars <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly you know I've, I've proved myself dumb enough to go get punched in the face every single day uh you know for years i'm sure i could take a star punch right. and uh i i have taken a few and I'm still here. You know, I've been I've just been doing astrological magic for a couple of years. I think I was just looking at my Amazon history to figure out when I had purchased uh, the Picatrix. But like, I got uh, the Atrell. Oh shit! I can never remember the guy who helped Dan translate that. But I got oh, the yeah. Atrell Picatrix like right when it came out, and nice. probably I got the the Greer Warnock Picatrix a couple of years before that. So it's, it hasn't been that long for me. Uh, so luckily, I haven't had any like disastrous astrological magic failures but i have had duds still haven't totally figured out what makes a dud and what doesn't because i mean we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit because for me it doesn't necessarily seem to be materials but we'll see we'll see so with astrological magic you started making jewelry eventually too uh, astrological yes. magic jewelry and some of that was on your own and some of that was with a 
a team in what is it bali or yeah that's most most recently right now i'm wearing a right now as you know you can see through my voice uh i'm wearing a saturn talisman that i worked and collaborated with with the coca bell project over in bali and um they sort of just hit me up randomly and they're like, hey, uh, Saturn is moving to Aquarius. I'm really moved by your work and I'm moved by your expertise. And I think this is really important. I don't necessarily have like the electional expertise, but there's some amazing, amazing people and artisans here. And uh, because of the economic and sort of COVID situation, everyone is out of work and really needs like projects and just sort of things to get the local economy going and so i was like yeah absolutely let's let's collaborate and we're definitely planning on some cool stuff this year because jupiter and pisces is you know barreling barreling towards us oh man and thank god <laughs> yes <laughs> because holy shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean and honestly like by the time i started seriously getting into astrological magic it was it was basically i think the first astrological talisman i did was probably like two or three years ago and it was a venus election and it was when venus was exalted you know in her degree of exaltation so oh wow it was possibly one of my most successful ones to date uh you know my first foray which i think is fortunate and super lucky but then it was not long after that when just all of the sky weather <laughs> just hit the crapper uh, yeah. And it's been it's been rough. It's it's kind of funny that uh, astrological magic has seen such a resurgence during a time when it's so difficult to find good elections. <laughs> <laughs> you know, isn't that just how it works, though? Um, we're isn't all that just gonna, how it works, yeah. though? I mean, we're, we're all going to be super experts by the time things clear up. Absolutely. Well, I know one of the big, big motivators for me was I think I had I, I remember it being like. Uh, like trying to being like, should I really learn astrological magic or shouldn't I? But I knew Jupiter was about to hit Sagittarius in about like, you know, eight, 10 months. And I was like, this is going to be like, I'm not going to get this opportunity for a very, very long time. Uh, so I need to make sure I can make like the most optimal astrological talismans that sort of the traditional sources will sort of allude to, which is like, you know, sterling silver, gold, gemstones uh, with the appropriate herb, optimal elections, you know, follow mm -hmm. these 27 best principles, get as many as you can, planetary <laughs> day and hour, you know, just like stacking on the levels of complexity. And so I ran myself through the gauntlet, I think, like, you know, I was, you know, horrifically underemployed at that underemployed at that time. So I just made my job learning astrological magic and uh, trying to use like the best quality materials that I could that I could afford like I would like I remember um, you know not saying like I spent all my money on talismanic materials but I basically did and I wasn't making very much at that time and so it was kind of dangerous like it's not something I would 100% recommend to someone who is like just just learning it uh, and and not really aware of you know how how good their elections are compared to what maybe they should be or what um you know what sources say they should be because you could end up blowing a lot of money on something that uh isn't going to give you the punch that you're looking for and to circle back a bit to what you'd said before around like making duds and like what makes a dud i think that's one of the biggest stumpers in the whole in the whole space right now because uh it implies like a larger issue uh, larger issue or point of contention i think is that what is it certain talismanic electional principles or working different from one mage to another. And it then boils down to, well, why? If this is like, you know, set in stone laws of reality, why are these laws working differently? Uh, and that may just be a bad way to phrase the question to think about it. Uh, if we're thinking about it with a purely like scientific, like scientific, like atheistic material, like point of view, um, that just may be, like a remnant of that aspect of it rather than like a <clears throat> what is it like a, a spiritual materialist worldview that acknowledges like a high level of interdependence mm -hmm. but it's a slip but i don't know if it's a slippery slope but um you know just today i'm someone was talking to me about like gee i really love this eclipse magic and it works really well for me and it's like <sighs> you know i'm I, i'm a buddhist uh there are buddhist deities that straight up are the eclipse and you work with that and it's and it's something that happens but it's a very specific thing that you have a deep relationship with so it's like you can't say that no this never works 
because obviously it does work in certain instances. But it's almost more dangerous, I feel, and as a professional to say, yes, it works, just just go out and do it. So it's something about willing to burn your own fingers. But mm-hmm. if you're like telling people, oh, it's fine, you know, it really may not be. Uh, so why encourage people to do to do that? It's a it's a it's a challenge. It's a challenge to ones. It is. Yeah, I mean, because I've done eclipse magic. My first lunar uh, mansion talisman I did during <clears throat> an eclipse, and I calculated it. So I was like, I want to I want this to be like Kazemi style eclipse. Yeah. Like I want it to be like they are one. <laughs> um, awesome. And it worked out uh, pretty well, actually. I didn't have any negative backlash, and I think it helped a lot. And it was, you know, so you see a lot of uh, astrological magicians on the internet howling warnings about eclipses. And so I, I kind of keep my mouth shut. Oh, except for now. I guess now everybody knows. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> hey, I'm right there with you. I've had, yeah. I've kept my mouth shut too. But, you know, because it's like really interesting. Because, like, Sort of not, I'm not going to say like a Buddhist perspective, but a perspective I've seen my teachers sort of show me and tell me is like when you ask those questions or do those things, it's sort of like, oh, okay. Like it's clear you sort of have like a karmic connection to doing this. Mm-hmm. So let's teach you the right way to do it. Or let's teach you like the way this tradition has worked with it, the way I've learned it and the way it sort of operates within our, our ecosystem and our context. And I think it's sort of fine. Like it's, I think it's fine that people want to do eclipse magic or it's fine mm-hmm. that people have these, these deep desires and inclinations. Cause I think that really is a very, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a model of how astrology works, which is very akin to how I understand astrology to work or make sense to me, which is like less of a, like a straight mechanistic way, but more of like a, like a spirit based approach. Uh, Mm -hmm. In short, I would say, like, you know, to me, like a spirit-based approach or spirit-based astrology is understanding that there is like a human ecosystem of of desires and and wants and movements. And there's also various spirit ecosystems of desires and communities. And the planets are 100% one of those. Um, And there's plenty of books on, you know, the celestial angel names and the sigils of the retinues of the legions of, you know, X, Y, Z. And so, you know, the magic that we experience is sort of like the net result of these two webs. Really, there are more, I would say, Mm -hmm. uh, interacting and communicating. and that's that's planetary magic. What is the end result of that complex web of interactions at this point in time as we can perceive it? I that's that's kind of a beautiful way to put it. That is a beautiful way to put it actually. I, I like that uh I like that approach. I kind of think I agree with you a lot. But okay. but I have to think about it a little bit. <laughs> sure. No, please, please, you know. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh you know, because for me, um, the the spirit based uh, astrological mm-hmm. magic is kind of the most important. Like for me, it's a combination of uh, the material you're using, so like whatever you're doing mm-hmm. in the material world, uh, the spirit you're interacting with, mm-hmm. and then also the image, which in my mind is mm-hmm. in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's this there's this complex interaction there where. It, where I think that the that the image part of it is also really vital, um, but I'm not always certain how to uh, how to like I don't know systematize that. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's okay, hold on. Let's <clears throat> let's rewind just a little bit. Let's sure. not jump too far ahead. Let's talk about a little bit. So before we started recording, we were talking about how people who are getting into astrological magic um, mm. since it's becoming so popular these days or since it, I guess popular isn't the right word, but it is getting more widely adopted mm-hmm. and uh, you tend to see people who are either astrologers who are like, Oh, I want to do magic or magicians who are like, Oh, I want to do astrology. So you have these two yeah. different camps uh, sort of coming together and exploring this one thing, um, which is interesting to watch. You know, I'm on the I'm from the the magic side. Like I was a magician before I ever paid attention to astrology, and for me, I kind of look at it and I'm like, holy shit, this is a ton of rules. Like, why are there so many rules? <laughs> and I'm sure astrologers are probably coming into the world of magicians and being like, these people are like doodling and calling it magic. Like, <laughs> why isn't anybody wearing pants? 
you know, so. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. So I'm wondering, you, mm-hmm. uh, you I know, have seen um, folks entering astrological magic from both schools. Uh, where would you suggest folks start? Like if they want to start learning astrological magic, where do they go? Oh gosh, that is, that's quite the, uh, that's quite the question. And, you know, I think my answer is always going to be skewed because I have learned so much and have found so much value in like a, just like a student teacher relationship and being able to find someone like throughout my entire life. The only reason I've been able to like get through school and succeed through that and succeed any of my endeavors is because I've been able to um, just be very lucky and have learned just to cultivate like a relationship with someone like who I trust and whose practice I really trust um, and attach myself to, to, to them and sort of their, uh, their understanding of their mentorship. So I would say like, you know, very high level, like think about the kind of life. And this is sort of, I think, general advice, like life advice, like think about the life and results you're sort of wanting to push yourself towards. And then like, well, who in the space is, is sort of role modeling that or talking about aspects of that, that you really admire and would like to, you know, mirror in your own experience. And, you know, see what those offerings are and then learn learn from that uh and then you know by tasting that you'll be able to understand like you know what is it and like indian music which is a huge path of mine you know there's like a moment and even in buddhism like you know like this is my teacher this is my lineage this is me um and then you could you know to like go with that uh but until then you know just sort of tasting around and figuring out, you know, well, what are the specific pieces I want to learn? Uh, and then running after that, you know, more concretely, you know, I have to recommend, you know, have to recommend Chris Warnock. I have to recommend, uh, you know, like, you know, the Copics like Austin Copic. Um, I would say like, it's an easier question to answer. It's an easier way to understand uh, like where to go if you're like an astrologer because there's a lot of I think very popular astrologers in the space that are doing more astrological magic now uh, like you know Nina Griffin is great Caitlin Kopic is fantastic if they offered classes I don't think they do uh, you know definitely like take one of those classes they have like a recording from Norwak to learn about and that's like a really great foundational class to like start wrapping your head I think that's the best like comprehensive hour and a half two hours that sort of exists um but I love that you broke down, like you know, astrology, like astrologers who are trying to learn about this magic world, or this people who are in magic who are, you know, really used to just wearing robes all day and writing some squiggles and um, and doing and doing some magic. Which is, you know, I come from more of the magic background rather than the, rather than the astrologer background. And what is it? I think I think one of the biggest things always is like understand your assumptions that you're making. Um, Ooh, I like that. Because I think that like astrologers will eventually find out that things don't have to be as by the book or that there's sort of an ma- intersection matrix between as by the book something has to be in order to get a result that's like passable enough. Uh, but that's sort of that's sort of dangerous uh, just to just to adopt as a principle, I think, because you could end up like hurting hurting yourself as long as you're aware of like the risks risks involved. Um, and that sort of thing. And I think it's also like for people who are maybe more freeform and magic learning about this, understand that there's going to be a lot of structure and it's going to be like highly, highly technical. Um, and it's, it's, it's a very complex system. Like I remember the day I was looking at, you know, all the squiggles and all the tables and they started to make sense to me. And uh, I was really unsure how that even happened. And just my brain was like, oh, I need to find, you know, condition of the AC ruler and what that's doing and the moon and the sign the moon's in and the sign that the ruler of the moon is in. And then what are the aspects that it's making? Like at a certain point, it's just, these are the six things I'm immediately looking for. And then through practice, you can figure out, you know, this, when I was lenient on this rule, uh, it was a dud. Or when I was lenient on that rule, things generally worked out fine. And then you have those certain pieces where it's like, you know, that Venus and Pisces, like the degree of exaltation you talked about, like yeah. last season, those talismans were some of the best I've ever made. And I don't think I made degree of exaltation of Venus and Pisces, but absolutely, like it's just one of those moments where it's like, this is just a like a life shattering talisman in a good way. And uh, there are so many points in that election that really line up with like all the traditional sources. And it's really hard for me to say, don't 
value the traditional sources or don't consider them as highly when you can follow things so to the book and then you have just incredible experiences after that. Yeah, it's just, um, it's so hard to follow things to the book. <laughs> you know, there, there are so many rules. Um, and I guess that's something that, that I ran into a lot early on. And then as I started talking to other people who are learning astrological magic, I saw it over and over and over again, which is a sort of like, I'm going to, I'm going to coin a phrase. Maybe this Do is it. the first time it's ever been said election paralysis, mm. which is where yes. you're looking for an election and you keep finding new rules to apply to it and new things to look at for it. And you are constantly only convincing yourself that every single election is bad. <laughs> You know, where you, know, you just, yep. and you can, because you can drill down, you can, because it's, you know, even if you start with the Picatrix, which has a buttload of rules, you go to the next book and it has even more rules. And then you go to the next book and it has even more rules. And then there's going to be rules that disagree with each other. And then you've got people at the internet yelling at you to not do things during eclipses. And then, and then all of a sudden you're sort of like, oh God, oh God, oh God. And you stop doing magic because you get yeah. election paralysis. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's a serious, it's a serious issue there. You know, I was just there, I think the other day. And for me, like, I'm at a point where my practice, I have so much going on magically, both like astrologically and, you know, adjacent. Um, like my risk tolerance is much higher for what I'm willing to experiment with. So, you know, at this point, it's like, what is it? If I, if I have like six rules I have to do, maybe I'll be a little lenient on like, for two of those or something. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'll just, I'll, I'll see what happens. And I know like, hey, I know how to destroy them. And I'm fairly confident enough in like, you know, I have like hard thresholds for like, you know, is my bird okay? Okay, then that's that's really fine. Uh, you know, <laughs> as long as my chickens keep laying eggs, then what could I really, uh, what could I really need? But election of paralysis is huge. And I think, you know, one of the other things I'm seeing is like, you know, how many like, 49 hour plus like do, do, do you need like a 49 plus hour course in order to know how to properly do astrological magic or I'm thinking like because times are like so messed up right now like we're suffering right now in this very moment in this very lifetime so I can only be incredibly compassionate to everyone who's like I don't have time Josh to follow 26 rules I need support uh, from the heavenly spheres and uh, it's like okay I totally get that so I think it's it's easier to you know find yeah. your own path a little bit that way and maybe like you know understanding that what is it I think it's fine to it's fine to experiment I think you know I'll give you permission right now um, don't let someone else's opinion of if you should use that election keep you from doing your first piece of astrological magic just don't do that um yeah, don't do that. And if you try that and something horrible happens, uh, call me and I'll help you. Because uh, and you can just tell me that you listened to my advice and it went wrong. And uh, you know I'll feel bad and I'll just help you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, I think that there are some ways to alleviate the problems with bad elections for sure. Um, you know, we we've talked a, a lot about this. Uh, actually, even just. A couple minutes ago, we were talking about sort of like spirit-based astrology or spirit-based yeah. um, astrological magic, um, which I know is something that you and I agree on pretty strongly. Like a big part of astrological magic is sort of the cultivation of relationships with various mm -hmm. planetary spirits. Uh, and when you get good enough relations with a planetary spirit, it can it can help kind of alleviate some of the uh, you know, poor qualities of an election or even um, sort of like the connection you're going to make with that that sort of like planetary influence. Uh, at least in, in my experience, it's been that way. And I'm wondering like um, when you look at uh, something like spirit-based astrology, mm -hmm. what is your is there sort of an underlying practice that you have there? Like do you do a lot of like uh, spirit contact and spirit conjuration sort of stuff. Sure, I definitely, I definitely do a lot of spirit conjuration. I do spirit conjuration 
and like general sort of, I don't do a ton of like devotional work. I know a lot of people are really, really excited and like really love it. Or at least, you know, I see all these beautiful altar pictures on Instagram all the time. And, you know, I look at my altars around me uh, and, you know, I'm watching someone's rats and they're right behind me next to the altar. So it's just sort of like, you know, we deal with the cards that we, that we are dealt in life. I and mean, maybe uh, pre- that could be an altar to Cloachina, you know, the <laughs> bada bing. There you go. There. <laughs> <laughs> completely completely and so i definitely have a supporting practices i would say around uh around like the pure art and practice of making like like traditional or classical astrological talismans so i so i do more than that and i think if my practice was just that um i would be more of a i would be more what is it sort of on the receiving end of just the electional rules themselves uh, and not have as much wiggle room. You know, I think also, as you were talking, it sort of tied me back, I think, like around like worldview between if you're more of like an astro person or a magic person. One thing I've seen is like, you know, someone who's just pure, maybe like a pure background in in like technical astrology, you're you're gonna you're maybe gonna feel that like you know you're sort of a victim of all the planetary transits at a given time and it's like how could I not knowing this knowledge completely rigidly organize my life according to like you know these are all the planetary hours um, I can only do I have to live like an optimal version of my life um, and I don't like that because it removes like this idea of autonomy and relationship and like sovereignty between us as individuals and like the planets themselves uh because i completely disagree that the planets like you know they have their own agenda but we also have our own agenda and just because you know they're incorporeal and live wherever that they live and you know maybe maybe like uh you know archon daemons that don't really care about us you know i'm not totally sure about about that aspect but uh so why fully trust them with every aspect of your life? Give some pushback. Uh, so it's like, there's that aspect. And then the people who are coming from just like a pure magical background, you know, uh, magicians are forged in a fire of their own will and bend reality to their desires. Like that aspect of magic, then you're completely discounting the the autonomy and the fact that you live in an ecosystem with A, other humans that with uh, with the desires and, you know, desires and that should be respected and understanding like levels of consent but also the spirit should also be given like that level of of sovereignty and that level of respect as well so you know you know trying to find a middle path between that i think is something i'm always thinking about with my own practice am i am i you know asking too much or am i asking too little yeah that's an interesting uh take on it i think that's um really valuable to think about Mm-hmm. And uh, and honestly, I mean, depending on uh, you know what era the magician kind of started practicing, I, I feel like the magician sort of contacting spirits and doing like grimoire spirit stuff again really didn't start until maybe like fifteen years ago. You yeah. know, there, people were kind of not super big into that part of the grimoires for a long time. Um, yeah, I guess. I guess that sort of would lead me to ask, like, where would somebody start then? I mean, I know what my answer is, but I want to know what yours is. Start in what? Like creating a relationship with the... With With the the spirit, or like what would... If you you were, if like some some total noob came up to Mm -hmm. you and they're like, you know, I read, uh, you know, love signs... Or mm-hmm. I read uh, Donald Michael Craig's Modern Magic, and I want to make my first astrological talisman. Like, where would you send them? What would you have them do first? And they want to make their own first astrological astrological talisman. So the first thing I would tell someone is like, you know, set a time, set aside some time where you can be really in tune with yourself and uh, ask yourself the question, "What do I want?" and be very, very honest with yourself and understanding the key to that question um i think is the foundation for all successful magic and you can be selfish with it like you know sometimes you really just need you know sometimes you just need you know forty thousand dollars or whatever it is you know you can be you know sometimes you just need it you know right, uh, right. i mean you know like you're kind of like shit is it brunch tomorrow i need i need forty thousand dollars straight up straight up that's like you know what is it two mimosas nowadays oh man with all the inflation <laughs> if you're um, lucky 
if you're lucky. So, you know, ask yourself that question, what do you want? And so this is, I'd say, like the non-technical approach and the desire-based approach, like understanding what do you want? And then from that, there's plenty of books and resources around like correspondences of talismans and stories about uh, stories of the planets and the deities that they are related to and understanding, well, what desire do I have that sort of intersects with the large-scale desire of, of that planetary entity? Um, and then that like provi- provides, I think, a good foundation for you to for you to start some sort of relationship with it, with the planet, so you can begin to see what would the potential effects be uh, if I were to have a talisman. Especially if you've never, if you've never done like any magic whatsoever before, you probably want to wean yourself into it because there's there's many things that are sort of out of your out of your ballpark of experiences that you could be jumping into. And I have found like the first couple of talismans I made highly traumatic in the way that they <laughs> affected affected my life. So uh, you have to be careful about that. Um, also getting an understanding of like just some basic natal astrology around like when are planets dignified and what do the different dignities mean? Because if you can at least look at yourself and say, you know, you know, my Saturn is not in a very good position or my Venus is in Scorpio. Um, maybe you shouldn't start with the Venus talisman uh, as your as your first thing. Or if you know if you have Mars, Mars in Taurus uh, or Mars in Cancer, you know, maybe you shouldn't make a Mars talisman uh, for the very first one that you make. Um, but maybe there's another planet that has a similar desire. Um, and like just doing that research on yourself, I think, you know, we I think people naturally can find that whatever sort of inclinations or gut feelings they may have are, are probably closer than they think as far as like what to do, or at least it's something that you're going to have to figure out anyway. Um, but really find trying to also find like a community of practitioners or someone that you can talk to about it is also going to be essential. Cause I think like the biggest dangers in magic is like, how do you know when you've wrapped yourself up in your own, in your own world of how you think your reality is, is hitting and uh, that could be a very dangerous place. Yeah, that's good advice. Um, yeah, I mean that's good advice, but there's also there's a lot there to do. So that's like yes. that's a lot of steps that you sort of have to do at once. I guess uh, I mean my advice was going to be a lot simpler. I was just going to be like, you want to do the moon first, like oh, make, I see what you yeah, mean. Yeah, um, you know, sort of like a place to start. Like, where should you aim? You know, one of the nice things about doing astrological magic with the moon is the breadth of stuff you can do with it. You know, mm-hmm. so the the moon is kind of available for everything. But also, uh, I don't know if everybody's had this experience, but for me, um, contact with lunar spirits is easiest. Uh, totally. No, I, I like I like that point. Yeah. That you made because the most successful like introduction to astrological magic class I ever taught was uh was in Portland, Oregon. It was live and it was all it was called Lunar Sorcery and it was like four classes and I just introduced the concept of like astrological and planetary magic through some basic lunar election principles. Because if you are trying to make a planetary talisman, uh you're going to care about the condition of the moon anyway. And oh, yeah. <laughs> like the Picatrix says. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, um, you know, some of the first ones I made were, were Lunar Mansion Talismans because those are sometimes even easier to make because you don't have to really hurt yourself over a uh, planetary hour or planetary day. It's just about the moon being con- conjunct of this, uh, like in the area of the Lunar Mansion. And you have a fairly wide range over like either the the midheaven or the ascendant so uh you know flip through a list of the lunar mansions and see like your desires and how do your desires like link up to sort of one of the things the lunar mansions care about and that's that would be like a perfect oh yeah and they are all um they tend to be like really practical you know so they they tend to be sort of like more worldly magic it's a lot of like you know you know sink a ship or you know <laughs> sell some beanie babies on ebay like perfect lunar mansions for those totally fall in love you fall know poison love. a well poison <laughs> get rid of scorpions <laughs> <laughs> yeah no exactly i think and i think there's like a couple of books out there that like talk about the lunar mansions and um mm-hmm. you know specifically like the one that i think of and the first one i had was like chris warnock's lunar mansions oh yeah and you know yeah. that's like fantastic and technically you can 
I think 100% make talismans based off of what like the talisman section says and the general like election section mm-hmm. uh, that's in there. So you have a wide breadth of options. And I think in that book, they even break down like if you're interested in like this physical thing, I need money, I need love, I oh, yeah, need like I think mobility. A, yeah, there's a great chart. Just, yeah, you could just like look up the index. Plus, um, who's the artist Nigel Jackson? Oh yeah, nice. So Jackson. there's lots of example sort of uh, talismanic images that you can copy. Um, yes, which I think leads right into the next topic, which is mm-hmm. materials. Ooh, yes. Because yes, yes. I have techniques that um, that I've got the stink eye about. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But um, what but are I, those, Eric? Oh well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, okay, all right. <laughs> um, all right. But I do think like one thing that's really important is like the first thing you can do is you can start with paper talismans, mm-hmm. um, especially since they're very easy to get rid of when you screw up. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I didn't want negative forty thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, no. <laughs> um, but I think that. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know exactly what your experience with that has been, but the first time I ever made uh, astrological astrological talismans, um, even, you know, before electional astrology, this is back mm-hmm. in the early two thousands. Um, we made them on paper. Yep. Which made them really easy to get rid of if they either didn't work or went wrong. Um, but even now, I still do, like, I, I do, I do paper talismans more than anything else just because they're friggin' easy and you can just like you know carry them with you get rid of them when you're done with them i i use the same rules for getting rid of them as i do with uh sigil magic you know you uh Mm. you burn them bury them or drown them yep um yep no so what is sure what do you think about that you know i think uh what is it i think uh there are plenty of people on the internet who will uh, have a war with you over the effect of paper talismans. And I think, um, what is it? What is it? I think um, I've had paper talismans work, work pretty darn well for me. And I think I've had, what is it? Like paper sigils sort of drawing from like an astrological magical framework, like using, use like electionally timed sigils have be like actually some of the best magic that I've ever done. Like I did one um, during a, like a key Jupiter transit during like Jupiter hour. And then later that day, uh, my business partner called me up and they're like, we're going to have this meeting like by this church today. And it was like, Oh, okay. That was a pretty loud sign. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the first talismans I made were hundred percent. They were paper talismans and, uh, and wax talismans actually. So out of, you know, what you know what Ficino maybe would would consider like subprime materials um right. when it comes to not silver and gold and precious gemstones um uh, and you know i actually reviewed uh because i made a, a 13th mansion no i made a third mansion a mixial uh althuria lunar mansion talisman in paper and then in like a silver square using a very very similar elections and uh, they started off really really good and then they went absolutely to crap and um, I later found out because I found the election. I was going through my pictures for a year from years ago, and I actually found a picture of that chart. And it had nothing to do with the materials that I had done. There was actually some key parts of the election, you know, sort of as a noob, sort of making these talismans. I didn't consider like a couple key things, like Saturn was in a fire sign conjunct the descendant. I'm going to create a ton of hidden enemies. Also, uh, <laughs> south <laughs> south node was straight on the midheaven, which oh, I can shit. imagine has some like. Like just like some sucking the life force dry out of right. one's existence as the appearance as the you know one of the main things you're seeing, um, and it was a moon on the AC election, and so I thought maybe the moon on the ascendant was the problem, but I'm less convinced that was the problem, and it was more just these two other things which I would I would never consider uh, like making nowadays because of mm-hmm. a number of other experiences. So I think you know circling back, paper talismans I think are a great like first couple steps, especially. Uh, if you aren't fully confident in all the elections that you're doing because you can't dispose of them so easily. And it's kind of easy to tell, um, what is it? I think there's some, some references that the, what is it? The, the hardness of the material or permanence of the material, the less permanent it is, maybe the quicker it sort of like releases the effects into the world. So using that metric, paper should produce some effects fairly quickly. Uh, so you're able to easily tell like, 
has this functionally worked for me or has it not? Uh, and if it hasn't, you know, you can make the next paper talisman. You didn't spend thousands of dollars on gold uh, and then engrave it. And now you just have a really expensive, like poorly drawn in my case, like art piece that you get to put on the, put on the refrigerator um, or something like that. So I think, you know, I think overall, I think it's a good, good place to start. And there's tons of people who do make paper talismans. Oh yeah. Yeah. Including me. I, I still do them. I still do paper talismans. I, um, uh, sometimes I'll fancy them up, you know, like I'll fold them and seal them with wax or I'll do mm. something fancy with them or I'll make them with like construction paper or fancy colored pens or, you yeah. know, you, you spruce them up a little bit and incorporate your correspondences with the paper talisman itself. But yeah, yeah. But then the the thing that I do um, when I want more permanent talismans mm -hmm. is I use um, Sculpey. Oh, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I think I've talked to you about that. But, like, I yeah. found Sculpey talismans to be pretty effective. You can uh, embed gemstones or, like, stones in Sculpey pretty easily. Um, oh, that's nice. And then also when I've done, like, uh, when I've done talismans where I really felt like metal needed to be involved, I'd use, like, gold leaf or something and sort of put it on the outside. But... Uh, Sculpey is simple. It's easy to get your image in there. You can carve as much stuff as you want in there. Nice. You don't need a Dremel tool. Uh, you can do colors for correspondences. Mm, mm. Uh, and it's kind of an organic material. It's sort of derived from <laughs> organic stuff. Organic inspired stuff. Yeah. At least. Yeah. Um, and I, I've, I've had, uh, I've had success with it. I've had success and I guess I've had some duds, but you know, you're always going to yeah. have duds. Exactly. You're always going to have duds. I think, you know, I am personally like super inspired. I, I've always been really inspired and really enchanted by by jewelry and by rings and gemstones, even as a very young child. And uh, I, I remember just like very key moments of, of being young and like seeing these and being like, wow, I want to be part of this world somehow. And so that's why, you know, if you go to like my website or if you talk to me for long enough, uh, if you meet me in person, I am, you know, decked out decked out in rings and jewelry because it's you know a fulfilling like this lifelong desire and dream that i've always wanted to have uh you know be a wizard with a ton of ton of magic rings on one's fingers God, i um, wish i could do that i'm allergic <laughs> to there's some metal I'm, i i my skin has a bad time with metal mm -hmm. so when mm -hmm. i wear when i wear jewelry i just get my skin yeah. starts to fall off so even off. even gold um i have never worn pure gold Sure. I mean, you know, gold, the gold you get it's is always mixed with something. And there's some common alloy metal that doesn't get along with me. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah, one day. We don't know. We'll see if we can hook you up one day. That's, All right. Uh, that's an interesting thing. All right. Yeah, I suspect it's probably, I suspect it's nickel. Oh, okay. I know that nickel huh. gets used a lot in... I, I don't know. I'm probably talking out of my ass. I, I, I know so little about metallurgy. No, but there's, there's so much, like, there's so many implications. Like, you know, I think I'll bring it up because it's like, oh, like, what is it? I think uh, I'm part of, like, Chris Warnock's, like, group. Like, he used to have, like, Yahoo groups, and then Yahoo decided to just, like, throw away their entire Yahoo group system, and so there's something different. So that transitioned over something else, and... You know, he made like a really good point where it's like, you know, if we're talking about like, oh, I do this because it works, like because it works isn't like a isn't necessarily like a like a paradigm for like why it's working. Um, and just like understanding, like understanding the paradigm is useful for, I think, getting to the point of like, you know, when should I use uh, when should I use like a, a more more valuable or more long long-lasting material than not um and you know in sort of the renaissance ideal of like the golden chain of existence from like your highest most true form of reality uh there is a link from like the celestial hierarchy all the way down to the particular stone or the particular piece of metal that has that correspondence that you can look up in a book like a grip or a picatrix and it'll say like you know barrels of green and blue belong to jupiter you know something <laughs> along along those lines it's because mm -hmm. there is like a cosmology of like a chain of stuff that you know it's like you know how i like to think about it is like when you're choosing to uh in soul a piece of matter especially one that has these these correspondences to it you're sort of reminding it of its true celestial nature a little bit because like inanimate objects 
don't necessarily learn the same way we do. So it's like, how do they exper experience their own enlightenment? Uh, you know, that magic is sort of redo is doing that, insigiling them and drawing to them a, a spirit from from up on high or you know horizontal, depending on your worldview. I think um, you're sort of re-enchanting that aspect of life with the divinity itself, bringing it closer and grounding it. So it's really um, it's really, really a powerful touching experience, uh, I, I think, for me. And so some, I think that also inspires me to use materials and maybe last longer because I think there is like, you know, it's like waking up from a dream. And sometimes you wake up from dreams and it's just incredibly strong and incredibly vivid. And I like to feel there is that some level of like high, high degrees of occult virtue hidden in certain objects. And you're really able to, uh, to awaken them and remind them of just the, their full experience of reality. That was beautiful. <laughs> no, I mean, I totally, I was taking notes during that. I, I, I really like that. The the whole idea that like, I do this because it works, which is kind of where you started there, is yeah. not a valid uh, praxis, right? Like it's, it's sort of, um, you know, you can say I do this because it works, but like without knowing something about why it works or knowing what you can add and subtract or knowing where, um, yeah, that's, 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 that's a very valuable stuff one thing i was wrestling with a ton i think a year ago and i think always i'm wrestling with it less now but last year i remember talking to people at uh like as above that was in portland i just had to like roll down the street and arrive and i know some people flew from around the world um, oh yeah i was there did we meet you each were other? there we didn't meet each other you oh. like commented on my instagram and i was like dang it you're here i wanted to talk to you i'm yeah. like whoa eric was there i had no idea <laughs> Oh, uh, <laughs> in-person events can't wait for that to happen again. god if ever um, <laughs> obligatory statement but like one thing i was talking about is like you know should we even be doing this like should we even be making talismans like like in the worldview of like you know oh i'm reminding gross matter of their one true nature and uh, maybe connecting them so they are more sentiently available to communicate and enact the wills and desires of the head of their hierarchy. Like, like that's some insane level stuff. Like, not insane. I shouldn't say that word, but just it's a. It it's might be. In, it might be insane. It, maybe I would. In in a different time, I'd probably be burned at the stake for like saying something like that. But um, to me, it's just it takes a lot of responsibility. And like, whenever I'm making a talisman, I. I'm fully trying, I'm fully owning, at least personally, that like this is like an implication that's happening. And I remember like not getting in an argument with someone on Twitter, but having like different perspectives on this. But it's like, you know, if magic is something that is done outside of like the laws of the cosmos as it should be happening, like if that's even something, like if we live in a world where whoever, if there is a thing orchestrating things and it wants it done in a certain way and magic operates outside of that, like, things are going to start to find you eventually if you're really cracking fate open mm -hmm. at a certain point. That's that's incredible. Uh, something's going to sniff around and figure out why are the trains not running on time? And do you are you willing to be investigated by whatever investigates that? Uh, it's like a big question to wrestle That is with. a big question. You know what? The, the, that just was reminding me, like, like should we be doing this? Um, my uh, local astrologer, who's also... Buddhist, by the way, you'd you'd really like him. Um, mm, nice. He, uh, we were talking about astrological magic. Uh, this must have been. I just remember this conversation probably like two years ago. We were probably like drinking beer at lunch or something, and he just started musing, and he was kind of like, "I worry sometimes if uh, you know ongoing problems in the world is because all of these astrological magicians in the past have made all these talismans, <laughs> and they've been lost and buried. But there's all this insold matter just sort of." hanging out in various places doing things that we're never going to be able to get rid of and i was like oh okay so paper talismans <laughs> <laughs> yes also a very good reason to do paper talismans yeah if, if anything i think like the what is it the net weight of like insole talismanic matter from like you know whenever people were first really making this is so like minuscule um maybe even minuscule compared to what's actually being like made nowadays that really we have the opportunity to uh just radically recreate a new future and like i don't know when i when i see things that are happening happening just around me like the it's like 
more people I talk to and talk to around how they experience the world, like the veneer of reality is like an organized thing that makes sense and can be like expected to perform a certain way is just lost. Um, Like it just doesn't make rational sense maybe anymore. Like you can't trust people in the same way that like, I don't know, maybe people never trusted people in power or, or markets or things like that. Maybe that's more of the, uh, more of a thing. Yeah. I think that's, that's just, um, that's just something that happens when you, you, uh, have more experience around people with power and that's somebody you're like, Oh, you can never trust them. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are we falling into the same tra- trap of trusting that the stars really have our best interest in mind? Well, which is we, something we already I know that they don't. Right. I mean, that's why we Wise. have to find the good elections is because there's so many times when they do not really have our best interest at heart because the stars are part of the celestial machine and the celestial machine keeps grinding like it doesn't necessarily care about the individual right i mean isn't that sort of the secret of astrological magic in the first place is that you're finding this essence like you're sort of like oh jupiter is in pisces everything is perfect right now i want to carry this energy into you know 6 months from now when you know, all of the planets are pooping on us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I think, you know, I think I mostly agree with what you said. And I'd rephrase part of it as like, you know, I don't know if the planets ever really have our interests in mind. Maybe the benefics do at a certain point, or they think that like, you know, we're fairly cute pets or like cute things that like exist, <laughs> exist in the world. But, you know, a lot of the times really, really good elections are when there's really one primary influence that's going on and it's supported by others in it. So it's less of like, you know, they're having their best interest. It's like there's really only there's only one interest right now that is ruling over everything and being able to ensoul that, um, you know, creates those circumstances perpetually, which is good. But also it's sort of a, a tip to the hat of whoever is in charge at the time and being like, I'm going to continue your reign of this moment and your desire at this moment uh, and perpetuating it throughout time um, oh, in yeah. that sort of way. That makes it almost devotional then. Yes, completely. I think, I think it is. I think it a hundred percent is. And it's like, Oh, what is it? Sort of like you're employing the talisman to like, you know, do this job for you over and over again. Oh, uh, I think that's a little bit. I think that's actually a really insightful way to look at it, especially in when it comes to like spirit-based astrology, right? Because yes. um, a lot of the older texts, especially like this, I always think of Agrippa, book mm-hmm. three, you know, in his chapters in the twenties where he talks about like, here's how you find the name of a spirit for an election and mm. here's how you capture it. Yeah. So a lot of the, it's, it's sort of like how to uh, totally employ some sort of minor planetary spirit and and insolid in matter. So yeah, Completely. yeah, I could totally see that. Completely, and I think it's and you know for me personally, I always uh, I always have to check myself how much I'm a like willing to let the planets and the elections and the talismans sort of like run wild and decide. You know, you can do whatever you want because like in my cosmology as like a Buddhist, like I understand like understand that a you know the planets are very powerful beings like they are grahas they are ones who influence because they have so much so much sway in reality but just because they have so much sway doesn't mean it's the right sway and it doesn't mean that they also aren't suffering by the very fruits of the actions that they are you know wanting to do like by the fact that you know we are insoling them at a certain moment of time when they are the most powerful potentially um we could also be sort of perpetuating their bad behaviors or bad assumptions around how they think reality should work. So they're as a as like a mage, as you know, someone who's trying to wrestle and combine and um, you know guide all these forces together. I think we have a responsibility to to understand where are the planets' blind spots and help take care of them or their spirits in ways that they would never think about think about doing because that's just not how they see reality. Yeah, it that that sort of frames us as the caretakers of the cosmos. That's definitely I mean, that's a very hermetic way of looking at it. I don't know if that's reflected in like Buddhism and stuff, but that's uh that's definitely I, I agree with that. Yeah. We're we babysit each other. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
We definitely, we definitely babysit each other. Yeah. That is a hundred percent. That is a hundred percent true. I feel like that is sort of the perfect uh, note to wrap stuff up on right there. <laughs> Agreed. I think, you know, that's, what is we've it? all joined the Cosmic Babysitters Club, and <laughs> <laughs> they are accepting applications. They are hiring twenty four seven. Can you remind everybody where to find you online? I think I mentioned your website at the beginning of the show, but can you talk about um, other places to find you? Yeah, totally. So stellartalismans.com. That is a place where, you know, I'm currently going to be redoing a lot of things on the site. But if you're interested in, you know, in talismans, having a reading with me, talking with me, uh, you can go there and find my email, josh at stellartalismans.com. Send me a message. I'm pretty friendly. I'm really active on Twitter a lot. Didn't think it'd be so. But uh, that is I do have a stellar talismans uh, Twitter. Uh, but please find me. Is it? Exactly, but please find me on Magic Magi, which is the one I'm using using a lot. And you can find me; it's sort of my personal magical magical one, and that's Magic with a K, M A G I C K M A G I. Uh, please follow me there, and we can we can chat. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I like I like following you on Twitter. It's it's been fulfilling for me. <laughs> oh, good. That's good. That's good to hear. You know what is it? What a weird thing! Like to be fulfilled from anything that's on Twitter. But I've had a. A net benefit to my life since joining so yeah me too i've actually i've made a lot of really good friends through twitter and uh astro twitter and occult twitter uh is pretty good and it's remarkably nazi free which um Whew. i'm very surprised by i feel like there are yes. fewer yeah anyhow that's a whole nother podcast <laughs> episode <laughs> yes it is yes it definitely is all right well thank you so much uh joshua proto everybody uh, if i was really on top of things I would have, like clapping noises now. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Arnamancy podcast. You can find me online at arnamancy.com, where you can schedule a tarot reading or peruse the Arnamancy blog. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. If you like this podcast, support it for just $1 a month through Patreon at patreon.com slash arnamancy. 